So what happens when you face your Waterloo, your ultimate battle which could finish you off? Let's see Sideline's potential Waterloo and then we can discuss the issues with our guest. So this time, in the Blue Skies Thinking from Guideline, surprise surprise, this episode is called Waterloo. Montgomery Grabber, or Monty, the Sideline Sales Manager, comes to discuss his ideas about improving sales with Zelda and Michaela. Bubbles. Morning. Morning. How was the trade show, Monty? Hard work, loads of good contacts and great conversations. Looks like you had a long night. Oh yeah, it was three o'clock before I finished uh, selling. So, what's the plan? We're sadly lacking in sales. I have a factory producing stock and a full warehouse and an empty order book. How are we going to turn this around? I need more leads to follow up on. We're not getting the footfall on the website. I've received some feedback that it's dated, difficult to read, unclear, poorly designed, the list goes on. I've had 30 or so offers from website companies to do it for us. Should I investigate that? Well, I work for hours on that website. OK, well, perhaps I should focus on our social media accounts then. What, what can we do there? Well, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google+, Tumblr, QZone, Twitter, Pinterest, Reddit, StumbleUpon, The Dots, YouTube, Horse Traders, Delicious, Viadio, Zanga, Vine, Buzznet, Postulate, Billy No Mates, Tout, Quora, Vimeo and Medium accounts on the go. I'm monitoring Messenger, Snapchat, WhatsApp, QQ, Tinder, ScribbleTalk and WeChat for customer feedback. I've registered us with local business organisations, networking groups, Scoot Hot Frog, Central Index, Touch Local, Yelp and Thompson Local. I think that's it. I'm a bit surprised we're not generating any leads. Have you considered Yellow Pages? Oh, right, yeah, OK. Uh, what, what's Yellow Pages? Ha, ah, you're too young to understand and good. You're monitoring Tinder. Hold on, not, not Tinder, that's a, that, <laughs> that's a mistake. And you're posting on all these services? Yeah, uh, not Tinder. It's a, it's a bit tough keeping up with the schedule as it's about ten hours a day. Wow, that's quite an overhead for no leads. Yeah, so it's having a detrimental effect on my social life. I bet. No wonder you didn't join us at the pub on Friday night. Oh, I meant at the weekend. <gasps> You're doing ten hours a day, seven days a week? Oh, yeah. Right. So, any ideas, Monty? Um, I think we should do an email shot. I've had great success with that in the past. Oh, funny you should say that. I had an email the other day saying that they have 100,000 targeted contacts on an email list that I could purchase for 49.99. On the surface, that sounds amazing. Sounds like a start, 1% of those, and we'll have 1,000 customers in no time. I'm not sure. OK, Bubbles, I'll purchase the list and you send out an email which will get the leads flooding in. 
Michaela has sent out a large chunk of the emails and has had some responses. Tapping on Zelda's office door, Michaela needs to provide an update. Zelda, would, would you have a moment? Sure. How's it going? Well, I'm about a third of the way through sending the email shot out. That's taking a while. Our email service only allows us to send a hundred emails at a time. That means you've had to do over 300 emails already. Yeah, it's a bit of a drag, but I've soldiered on. Is it yielding any results? We've certainly had a response. <gasps> oh, that's good. We've had 348 emails complaining about the mail and asking where we got their email address. About 7,200 bounced as unknown emails or spam filtered. We've had around 10,000 unsubscribes, 480 people complaining that there, there wasn't an unsubscribe option in the email. And we've just been notified by our email service provider that our account has been blacklisted. We've had 18 leads from 30,000 emails and I can't send any more. 18 leads? Better than nothing, I guess. When you say you can't send any more emails, you mean today? As I understand it, permanently, until we satisfy them that we've resolved the illegal activity. Illegal? Yeah, some new data protection thing. I've got Garth looking at it for me, but he just put his hands on his head when I showed him the email I got. Oh, that's good. Perhaps you could look at the law thing with him and, and see when we can restart the emailing? OK, sounds like a plan. Now that sounds like a horrendous state of affairs. Unfortunately, this is not uncommon in our ever-changing world of marketing and lead generation and sales. So to draw out some of the learning we can take from this debacle, I'm very pleased to welcome Amanda Williams, who is a consultant with Cloud Legal. Uh, welcome, Amanda. Thank you, Russell. Pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you. So good of you to take some time uh, to have a look at Sideline with us. You have a unique cross-section of skills uh, in my opinion. That sounds like I'm a special agent, doesn't yeah, it? it? <laughs> I have a unique set of skills. Well, perhaps you are a special perhaps agent. I am. <laughs> Tell us what you're a special agent in. Well, I started off my life in medical and pharmaceuticals, and I've done about over 20 years in that. And I was, I carried the bag, I was a medical sales rep <laughs> and did a little bit of marketing. And then in those days, you had to choose between medical and marketing. And I went down the medical route and worked in information um, and also clinical research. So I used to organize multinational mm. clinical trials. I did a lot of training as well. Um, and as you can imagine, it's a very highly regulated um, environment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Lots of compliance issues. And I'm an early adopter of social media. I was using Orcut in 2004, which I'm probably, people haven't heard of. Oh, well, I haven't. Um, it's a long story <laughs> and it doesn't exist anymore. And I was blogging on Multiply in 2005, which also doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so when Facebook came along, it felt like a natural progression from those things. And since I've been in Cornwall, I've um, run a marketing consultancy. And then a few years ago, I got involved in data protection, learned about the GDPR. And to me, it seems like a perfect fusion of my life. Um, I'm an extrovert, but inside there's a nerd trying to get out. <laughs> so I've got the marketing skills, but also that I'm very aware of the compliance 
and working with companies trying and helping them get compliant with the GDPR is a little bit like my clinical research skills. Yeah. Um, evidencing compliance, that's a big thing yes. um, in the last few years. Um, if, it's, if it isn't evidence, it didn't happen. So, so an, an interesting balance between mm. the, the market, the need to market a mm. business and, and to secure the privacy of the people you're marketing yeah. to. Yeah. I think we picked mm. well for our, our conversation then. So what, is, what has changed in, in, and has affected the, the world of marketing? Let's, can we reflect on that GDPR phrase that you used mm. a number of times? What, what, how has that affected the world of marketing? I think it's, it has affected it. And I think marketing's not a dirty word. I think some people yeah. sort of seem to think it's not a good thing. And I must say, I love it. I love seeing adverts. I love the creativity. Um, when I was a little girl, my dad used to, he was in sales and marketing. He'd played a game at uh, parties where he'd cut the brand name out of an advert. And that was my favorite game. And I just, I love the creativity of marketing mm. and the innovation in it. But clearly, as time has gone on, as, as we've got more technological and we're all on Google and we're being tracked, things need to be regulated. So it's very different to how it was like 40 years ago where you saw an advert yeah. on a railway or something. Um, now it's following us around the internet. So I think there is um, a case for um, more regulation. Yeah, you're right about the marketing being a dirty word, or it can be a dirty mm. word. Obviously, if you're in business, mm. it can't be a dirty no, word, not, not really, no. um, unless you're fortunate enough to have people knocking on you. Yes, <laughs> that doesn't really happen, does it? No, not at all. Now, yeah. you, you mentioned social media, mm. and we we heard in the in the drama, Michaela rattled off an awfully long list of social media mm. accounts she, yes. she was she was using. What are you What are your thoughts on that approach? I think she must spend her whole day and whole night with her <laughs> finger hovering over her phone and she's at great risk of getting RSI. <laughs> so I worry about that. And clearly, from even from a kind of mental health point of view, it's just not good to be on the screen that much. And a complete waste of time, really, mm. isn't it? To have that much um, going on and trying to scatter that much through throughout all of those social media channels. Um, I mean, I definitely, I think... It, some companies, it's, there is a danger of overuse yeah. and not using it properly. So, uh, overuse is is an interesting concept because mm. people might think, well, can is it is it not? Shouldn't I get my message out on every platform I possibly mm. can? What, how would how could it be overused? Mm. I think it's a question of going back to basics and it's finding out who you who are your audience yeah. and where do they hang out. Um, if you think of social media as a, as a party, which party are they likely to be at? So it is a bit about going back to basics, who is your customer and where are they going to hang out and then getting your message to them in the right way. And that's going to be different. Every business is going to be different. Yeah. It's an interesting analogy, the, the, the party concept. Mm. So um, considering the Facebook and Instagram mm. Um, and in business terms, perhaps LinkedIn are the, mm -hmm. are the biggest parties. Mm. So they're the parties to always go to? Well, they're the parties I hang out. I like the <laughs> LinkedIn party, I must admit, but that's because I'm a nerd, yeah. so that's fine. Um, and I think sometimes people forget that it is social media. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you and I, you know, if you went to a party and we met, you know, there's a bit of small talk, I don't go straight into a party and say, buy my stuff. You know, it yeah. is a party. There is a bit of banter and a small talk, and I think that's a really good thing. And one of the things I've been talking to clients about over the last few years is having a really good 
um, content plan. So roughly, roughly 80% of your content should be um, something that's going to add value to your customer, maybe answering questions that they have or sharing great content with them from other people. And then you earn your, earn your right to for 20% of that to be a good call to action yeah. to say, buy my stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you're always saying, I'm great, come see me, buy my stuff, it does get a little bit, gets a bit boring and people then don't engage. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But there is, a, there is another side to that. You know, it is social and it is a party, if you like, but there's a serious side to that as well. Mm. And I think, you know, we've seen that recently in the white paper that's come out from the government, this online harm. So you do have to be careful. It's not the Wild West out there. You can't just say anything you want. And there are um, things you have to be aware of um, when you're using social media. I would say read John Ronson's book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And that gives you a really good idea of how it's so easy to get it wrong, which is why, going back to basics, know your customer, know your audience, where do they hang out, and then work out what is right for you to say, what is good, what you shouldn't say, what's your tone of voice going to be, and more importantly, who is going to manage your social media accounts, i.e. don't give it to the office junior because they know how to use Twitter. It's not a good idea, <laughs> is it? Really? Yeah, because Michaela's obviously very capable mm. with social mm. media. It's just, well, we'll talk about that in a mm. second, I think, perhaps a little mm. bit more about strategy. Yes. And thinking yeah. it through. Mm. Sidearm is a startup. Mm -hmm. It's a strange startup. Yes. <laughs> I'll grant that. What would be uh, a better social approach then? Let's be quite specific. What what would be the, the better tack for them to take? Let's focus on, on one social uh, account. Just this this hit um they're they're a b2c type operation um so what facebook is that is that the the better social media approach or, or what is there not when would you scattergun or when would you perhaps consider some other social media accounts so so what i always say to my clients is is regard your website as the hub of your wheel yes so the idea of social media is to drive people to your website mm. So it's a way of introducing people to your brand, to your values. So maybe for a B2C brand, a good place would be um, Facebook and Instagram and maybe Twitter. But there's a great saying, and we talked about this before, it depends. Mm. It? it so depends on your brand, on your messaging um, and who your audience are. Facebook is and Instagram are a good place to start. Um, although the algorithms are making it harder to um, reach people. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and Mark Zuckerberg is having a little bit of a change of mind at the moment as regards to privacy issues. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we don't quite know where that's going to go. That's an interesting because he talked, um, for, he's talked for many years about Facebook being sharing your ideas with the world. Mm. And now he's talking about privacy and wanting it to be more like a living room and maybe even going down the private message. So for brands that could have quite an impact on them. Yes. Because all of a sudden, whereas, I mean, you know, even five, six years ago, sharing on Facebook was easier than it is today, yep. which is driving people to use paid so social um, ads, yep. or closed Facebook groups are quite good as well. Um, I found those are very, very useful. And that's more of a living room. That kind of comes into his more of a living room. Yeah. Um, okay. So a closed Facebook, when, when would you use a closed Facebook account? Would, what, what, what benefits would that bring you in your thoughts? 
Um, so I've, I've got one at the moment, um, which is called Make Marketing Work. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of us on it that are experts in data protection, marketing, email marketing. And we've created a community. It's closed, so it's a safe space. And we can really add value. And it's not, it's, it's aim primarily is to add value and to help people. And as in all social media, if you're a brand, you want to set yourself up as the authority in your area. Yes. So by adding value, by giving great content, by sharing good posts, you can show that you're, you've got your finger on the pulse. So when your customer does come to choose a brand or um, a product or a service, hopefully you're the one they think of because you've shown them that mm. you know your stuff and that you're interested, you're curious and that you've got your finger on the pulse. Okay, and we, we discussed in, in a previous episode, I think it was the last episode that we discussed about brand and the website that Sideline's got and of course that isn't particularly appealing either. Um, you can go look at it, it's pretty horrific. We heard in the first scene that uh, the Zelda has given this uh, permission to go out to, to an email shot. Mm -hmm. Now, a bit of an old school, uh, perhaps, approach. Um, is, it, is it a problem, a purchased list of recipients? Well, it can be. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends, it depends. Um, I mean, just a really good thing about email marketing is that... It, it's it's a list that you have with permission from people yeah. so it's a little bit more stable than social media which if Mark Zuckerberg does um, decide to change the rules mm -hmm. then you, you know you're a little bit of a loss yeah but you do have to take great care with email marketing and a purchase list I would say take very very great care yeah do your due diligence where's the list come from has it got the right sort of consents? Be very, very careful. The ICO are, are looking and they find somebody recently for um, getting emails from a list. They didn't have the right sort of consent and they sent emails to two million people and they received a 40,000 pound fine. And mm -hmm. that was under the old Data Protection Act. Yeah. So now it would be more. So be very, very, very careful and do your due diligence. Ask lots of questions. Um, back in the day, you'd you would sign up for a list and it would say we will share your data with our trusted third parties. Yeah. That's not allowed anymore. No. You have to actually list them. So if I put my name on a list, I need to know where that's going to be shared with and I need to know the names. Yes. And then that's, that's a valid consent. But you do need to be very, very careful. Which does kind of um, make it quite difficult for uh, organisations that have previously... Uh, orchestrated these lists mm. to sell it makes it a little bit tricky for them because really they need to know who they're going to sell it to before Absolutely. they sell it which does make it a little bit tricky mm -hmm. you used a phrase there uh, due diligence now it's not it, it's a phrase that I'm obviously very familiar with what would you say is involved in due diligence because it's a phrase that may not be well known mm. to some people I would say that it involves asking an awful lot of questions about from the organisation and if you are going to trade with organisations you need to know that they are playing safe with the data as well yeah. and what, what preparations have they made and what evidence of compliance have they got because you, your customers will want to know that you're all playing nicely with the data yeah. um, and they may ask you for evidence of that and you should be able to provide it. And I think that's that's quite key. Is your 
your compliance, your business's compliance and your status legally relies on the compliance of other people Absolutely. in that case. Mm. And it's that, can you prove it, mm. is that due diligence bit. Yeah. And I think it's where we've seen mm. a lot of people just not bothering to check where they're getting yeah. stuff. And your supply chain, you know, your weakest link could make you non-compliant. Yes, yeah. Mm. People need to take the time to, to find that, mm, that, that weakest link and yes. either root it out yes. or, or make it stronger, reinforce it. Uh, email marketing, though, still has a place, you feel? Absolutely. Yeah. Because mm. um, it, it, it's difficult to market nowadays. It, it is actually it's a trickier game. As you say, they keep changing the rules and, the, and it's difficult to get to the top of the Google mm -hmm. list. And then next week on page one will be a different set of rules and it'll be another density of keywords on your website and you're off aren't you now looking slightly deeper into some of the aspects of the data protection act uh, or gdpr um we've there there is a term in in that which is uh, legitimate interest and it's seen it crop up in people's privacy statements if they have one Perhaps you could give us just a little bit of uh, understanding behind uh, legitimate interest. Okay. So there are two legal bases you can use for direct marketing, consent and legitimate interest. Consent will be for people that aren't your customers. Yes. So this is for people that subscribe on your website, for example, mm -hmm. that have never bought anything from you. But if they are your customers or they've entered into negotiations for a sale, you can send them direct marketing without their consent under legitimate interest. And this is because of something called PECA, which is not the GDPR, it's the Privacy and Electronic Communication Regulation 2003. And this was this has been around since 2003. And I think people have maybe weren't aware of it, yeah. or maybe GDPR kind of made it sexy, I don't know. Yeah. But um, it has been around since 2003, but you can send direct marketing without consent to your customers or to people who are entering into negotiations for sale. There is a but here. Mm -hmm. You do need to do your homework and there are a few things you need to make sure you've got right before you just go and send people um, email marketing. So if you're going to use legitimate interest under what's called the soft opt-in, mm -hmm. because actually they're kind of, you've opted them in yourself because they're a customer. Yeah. It needs to be in the course of a sale or in the course of negotiations for a sale. You need to give them an opportunity to opt out at the point of that purchase. You can only send them marketing on similar goods and services and you need to always give them an opportunity to opt out. Now a lot of ink has been spilt on legitimate interest. Yes. Um, and some of the guidance from the ICO is helpful in helping us think about what would the data subject reasonably expect? Have you got a relationship with them? If they're a customer of yours, then they might reasonably expect to receive marketing on similar goods and services. But yeah. don't forget that opt-out at purchase. Mm. I think that was often missing, wasn't it, before? Yes. Um, so that's a kind of helpful way of looking at things, whereas a non-customer you haven't got a relationship with them, so then you need to rely on consent. And I think last year we saw an awful lot of repermissioning emails yeah. um, oh, prior yes. to the 25th of May. That was bonkers. And a lot of them, they didn't really need to be repermissioned no. because they, these were customers of people. They, they didn't need consent. 
because they were customers mm. and I I think a lot of people lost an awful lot of um, emails from their email marketing list which was a which is a real shame yeah yeah a real shame. Uh, uh, what I saw one article um, and I, I really should try and dig it out again but it, it said if you change the word legitimate to common Okay. And if you said uh, somebody has a common interest with you, so if you know somebody's got a common interest, you'll talk about that subject, but mm. only that subject. Mm. You know, I'd have a common interest in marketing and GDPR with you, but um, you know, we might. Uh, I might like Star Trek, but would I talk to you about Star yeah. Trek? Yeah. Probably not. Possibly mm. not. I don't know if you like it. Mm. Therefore, I don't. I'm not sure of your common interest, and therefore, can I legitimately send you have a conversation about it? So. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's great. Thank you. That's Thanks really for that explanation. Yeah. And I think it's always good as well to do, um, to do your homework beforehand. Write out a legitimate interest assessment mm -hmm. um, because then if the ICO were to come knocking at your door, you've got all your documentation to prove that you've really thought this through and that you haven't just um, gone into it without any consideration for um, the privacy of the data subject. Yeah. And, uh, and what we've seen here is a uh, hundred thousand emails obviously on a list that there is no evidence of legitimate interest mm. Mm. and no evidence of consent yes and and therefore the massive fallout they've got and uh, and a broken email system mm. moving on a little bit um, what other pitfalls are there in digital marketing worth mentioning there are, a, there are a few other things to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and it, again, it's kind of going back to basics, actually. Um, particularly in the terms of personal data, what I always say is, if you've got a Facebook page, um, you are considered a joint controller with Facebook. Yeah. Now, maybe that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yes, I, I think, think it is, yeah. Um, but just a little take home from that is your privacy policy should be on your Facebook page. So there's a little place where you can put things link like that. Yeah. So you can link to your privacy policy. And I would also say um, in that section of the Facebook page, have some kind of terms and conditions about what you expect on your Facebook page. So things like that you don't tolerate hate speech or obscenities or you know whatever is right for your brand mm. and be very careful and I think this white paper that's just come out I think that speaks into that yes. um, and it's it's a responsibility of yourself to look after your Facebook page and to monitor what's what's going on in that so that's that's one thing yeah. if, if you're doing influencer marketing Yes. Um, I think be careful with that. Mm -hmm. The ASA has really cracked down ASA. on the Advertising Standards Authority yeah. has really cracked down on influencer marketing. You know the celebrities that use a face cream and say how amazing it is, and uh -huh. they then they aren't telling you that that's because they're either giving it free or they're paid to promote it. Yes. So just be really wary of that and check into that. What you need, you might need to put a hashtag sponsored or a hashtag ad. On that you know mm -hmm. just so people know because no. there's an awful lot about transparency um, mm. you know the authorities want brands to be transparent with their customers yeah because otherwise I mean it, I don't think it's anything more we know there's nothing more valuable than a recommendation and an un, unsolicited recommendation mm. from mm. somebody else to your services so if you've got a celebrity that's promoting your your face cream mm. and they've been paid to do it that's not unsolicited and yes. it needs to be evident so that's mm. an in, interesting issue 
And there is one more thing as well. Um, well, there's lots more things. But one <laughs> yeah, more thing we'll talk yeah. about right now is um, just be careful with things like custom audiences on Facebook. If you've got your email marketing list, it's very easy to export that and pop it into Facebook and yeah. create a custom list. Yes. Just be very, very careful with that and make sure, again, you've got the consents in the right place. Facebook are cracking down on it. MailChimp, I know, have um, put extra steps in place. I wouldn't advise it because, again, what you're doing is you're taking people's data where they've agreed to have your email marketing and you're moving it to somewhere else. You're moving it onto a platform yeah. that they may not be on for various reasons, you do have to make sure you've got that process right, mm. that you've got consents in place to do that before you just go ahead and do it. Because it's clever and it does work, but it just because it works doesn't mean you should do it. Uh, it's just brought to mind, we, we, we were talking about digital marketing specifically. Uh, I've also seen a rise lately uh, in, um, let's unpolitely call it junk mail. Mm. The, the people are, are moving away from the social media marketing social media and the website marketing because it's actually becoming a lot harder and they're falling back to posting stuff through your door have you, have you oh, come yeah. across that one yes i have actually mm. yeah and i've noticed that's on the rise as well i mean mm. again if it comes in as to occupier there's no personal data mm. for them mm. to, to manage so it, it is a way of marketing without mm. necessarily having the personal data burden yeah and it, in a way that is quite good mm -hmm. to have that marketing mix um, so in this new era of privacy and data protection you know don't forget those traditional forms of marketing print adverts radio adverts apparently yeah. radio adverts are on the up at the moment are they coming back and, they are, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the catalogs and I must say there's a little bit of me that actually quite is quite enjoying getting some of the catalogs back and just physically flicking through away from screen time so yeah don't discount all those traditional forms no. of marketing and, and that brings us nicely on to you know what is missing in sideline uh, in your opinion i think sideline need to go back to basics they need to ask who their audience are mm -hmm. they need to have a strategy and a plan yes. and maybe have some idea about what sort of content they're going to produce, how are they going to do it, who's going to do it, and then look at the data they have got and do an audit on it. That's something that we always recommend. I know yeah. that's something that you definitely yeah. um, talk about a lot too. Um, whose personal data are you holding? Have you got a legal reason to hold it? Yes. If you haven't, then you need to get rid of it. Decide what you can and can't do with that data. Yeah. And then you, you may need to get somebody to help you with your social media marketing. As I say, don't necessarily just leave it to the junior because they know how to use Instagram and they yeah. know what a hashtag is because it can spiral out of control if you haven't got someone that understands your tone of voice and the kind of boundaries in which you operate. Yeah, I think uh, it, um, strategy is always one of those dirty words. Mm. I mean, many businesses go, oh, no, I don't do, don't do strategies. They haven't got time for it or they can't see the value in it. But part of it is about, you know, what's your ethos? What's your values? Where, where are you trying to go? Where's your marketplace? Getting that down doesn't have to be a tome. Mm. doesn't have to be, you know, anything much more than, you know, uh, two sides of A4 sort of thing. Mm. But how are you then going mm. to address that market? How are you going to... Uh, get it and and I think it needs to be understood from the top down doesn't it yeah 
because uh, Zelda didn't know the impact mm. of sending out this email she had, and took no advice mm. Mm. Um, uh, and I think that, that that's always a problem is if, if somebody's making a, a decision mm. on, a, on a marketing strategy yeah. without considering the, the impact of it. And I think also, you know, you can have your two sides and it can be agile. Yes. Because things do change. Mark Zuckerberg is changing his mind yeah. on how Facebook is going to run. The algorithms on Instagram have changed and then you find that your engagement's gone down. So sometimes you do need to be prepared to pivot a little or react to something. Um, so a strategy can be great. It doesn't have to be absolutely set in stone. No. Be prepared to roll with the changes a little bit. Yeah, and also keep your eye on new regulations coming up. Oh yes, we've got e-privacy yes. that will come up one day. Uh, that's another subject for another day, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, so there are lots of things that you need to be aware of in when you're doing um, marketing of any sort. As we approach the end of our conversation, in terms of social media and digital marketing, and you've probably said some of these before, but what would be the top tips that people could uh, take away from our conversation? So I think what I'm saying, my top tips to sum up are go back to basics on all sorts of things. Who are your audience? Yep. Where are they? What's your tone of voice? What sort of things are you going to share with them and how are you going to add value? Don't forget it's social media. But then it's also <laughs> there's a tension between that and get, then actually getting it wrong as well. Yeah. So just be aware of the boundaries and be prepared to learn from new regulation and be prepared to pivot when things change. Brilliant, okay. Now I, I will put some links to the white paper you mentioned and the book you mentioned on our show page. Before we go then, what, what, what do you see in the future for Sideline <laughs> in this situation? I think they, they've got some work to do, don't they? I yeah. think they need to have a big, long coffee break and have a good old chat about exactly what they're trying to achieve, mm. um, who their customer is, and how they're going to get there, and all work together. Because um, I think sometimes you can, one person wants to go one way, yeah. and because the other person doesn't know what they're doing, it's easy for it to get out of control. So I think they need to sit down and have a big coffee break. And I think that's that's quite a, it's a good general tip, isn't mm. it? Is is take the time mm. to think mm. things through mm. and uh, and 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 to take advice mm. you know find find somebody who you trust or who is skilled in a particular area and take advice on it and i think the it's so easy for a business especially small businesses they kick off and they start producing what they've always done or or they uh, and they and they're doing the delivery and it's delivery delivery but they they don't necessarily think and spend the time to go back Oh, yeah. Are we heading in the right direction? Are we doing it right? Mm. Have we got all of the legal requirements covered? Mm. So yeah, that, get that mm. getting back to basics tip that you had is yeah. is invaluable. Mm. So thank you very much, Amanda. It's, it's, uh, a it's been a great conversation, and much. I think it's, it's as you say, this this is a subject as with many that we've covered that is has got so many tendrils going into the business but you know data privacy and personal data mm -hmm. is something that's is incredibly important mm -hmm. so, uh, and and has certainly got a very strong law set mm -hmm. of laws to back it up now yeah all i can do uh, now is uh, having thanked you is to to 
encourage everyone to have a listen to um, the other podcasts and to uh, comment and like and share and uh, tell your friends and ask questions and give us ideas of what we can do with Sideline in the future. Um, and if you've got any experiences yourself, please please do, uh, do take time to leave those. Next time, we're looking a little bit further into compliance issues and specifically a bit of respect. So join us next time for I Do, I Do, I Do, I Do, I Do.